look, I don't know what else to say. It's like if somebody hasn't seen success in five months, you either need to do a full audit and figure out what's really going on and have like some really honest conversations with them. Or you may just need to tell them, hey, look, maybe I'm not the best person for you. That's a hard conversation to have. But look, man, five months is a long time to go without having any results. So do a full audit. Make sure that they're doing the things necessary, both inside and outside of the gym, to have success. And if it's just not working out, then it may be time to direct them towards somebody else where they can maybe see more success. Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and this is the Big Q&A Show. Now, it's been a couple weeks since I did a solo show. I've been getting great reviews on those, and it's been a really long time since I did a Q&A show. So I'm excited to do this one here today. Over uh, the past couple weeks, I've accumulated eight really good questions, uh, and a lot of times I'll do these on Instagram, right? If I've got a slower day, I'll say, hey, throw questions my way. And while it's great for getting engagement and getting people to ask questions, the downside to the, the Instagram medium is it's hard for me to give these really like longer, well-thought-out responses. A lot of times it's short, sweet, and to the point, and that's fine, but some of these questions were really good, and I want to make sure I flesh them out. So, you know, if it's all right with you, I'm just going to go ahead and dive right in. So... I will paraphrase all the questions though, just so you know that, simply because I don't have the full question written out. It seems like almost every day I talk to trainers and coaches who are frustrated. Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in this industry. So if this sounds anything like you, I've got something that I know will help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you, who are serious about the results they get and know that becoming a better coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification takes the last 20 years of my life's work and puts it all into one massive course. In it, you're gonna learn how to use the R7 system to create seamless, integrated and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. One of the best pieces of feedback I've gotten about the Complete Coach Cert is that people that train gen pop people and people that train high level athletes and everyone in between is taking something away from the course. You also learn how to create the culture, environment and relationships with everyone you train so you can get the absolute best results. You're going to learn the exact progressions, regressions and coaching cues I use in the gym from squatting and deadlifting to pressing and pulling and everything in between. And last but not least, I've got an entire section on my assessment process and how to use that to write programs faster and more effectively than ever before. Now, of course, there's a ton more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the certification is all about. Now, here's the thing. Spots for the certification only open twice per year for a limited time. If you're interested in learning more, my next certification will open soon. And if you join my free insiders list, you'll be able to save $200 when it opens. To get on that insiders list, just head over to completecoachcertification.com. Again, completecoachcertification.com, and then stay tuned for our launch emails very soon. Thank you so much for your support, and I hope you'll pick up a copy of the Complete Coach Cert when it launches. 
So let's go ahead, let's dive in. Question number one, do I need a CSCS to be considered a legitimate coach? And I'll be honest, I was really, really intrigued by this question because like first and foremost, let's just put it out there, no certification, no certification automatically makes you a great coach, except maybe the complete coach cert. But other than the complete coach cert, there isn't a certification out there that just says, hey, look, now this person is elite. They can go train anybody, anywhere. It doesn't work like that, right? Here's what a certification, whether it's the you know, CSCS, the ACE cert, the NASM cert, all a certification does is give you kind of what the industry deems as a minimum acceptable level of knowledge, right? So you can hopefully go in and write a halfway decent program. You can hopefully go in and coach somebody if they're just doing things glaringly wrong, right? Because that's what a certification is meant to do. It's funny. I just got my hair cut and the, the guy that was cutting my hair owns the, sh the shop and he was just talking to me about like when he got started and he said the person that did like his first like haircutting class straight up told him like, look, we're not going to teach you to do great haircuts here. We're going to teach you all the basic stuff so that you can go out, you can pass whatever like board licensure exam that they have for barbers. And then you need to go out in the real world and get experience. That's where you learn to give great haircuts. I just thought that was so interesting because that's literally how it is for us as trainers and coaches, right? Like you learn the basics of program design, coaching, maybe nutrition, some, some basic anatomy and physiology from a cert, but it doesn't make you a great coach. It just gets you started on that path. So, you know, the same thing that I told my guy here on Instagram is like, hey, look, go out, get the cert. You know, it gives you a little bit of street credibility. And from there, it's really what you do with it. So if you take a cert and you never take another con ed course, you're probably not going to be a great trainer or coach. But if you realize, hey, the cert is the entry point to my career in the fitness industry, and now it's on me to go out and seek other avenues of continuing education, that's going to set you on the path to success. So that's number one. No cert will get you, you know, that, that esteemed uh, respect of being a great coach, but it's a great starting point. Number two, I got a question about video production. So obviously people have noticed that I'm trying to crank up more content on Instagram and on YouTube. So really there's two answers to this question as far as video production. Like before I had Paul doing all this stuff for me, I would do a lot of stuff in iMovie. So this was probably four or five years ago now. I invested in a really nice MacBook and I just said, look, this is going to be like my hub. This is going to be my audio visual hub because I did everything from my laptop. I wrote my articles on there. I used GarageBand to cut all of my podcasts. I used iMovie to cut all of my videos. Like it's amazing what I could do with just my MacBook Pro. So when it was just me, that's all I did. And iMovie is legitimately the easiest piece of video editing software you can use, right? And if you don't know how to use it, you can go to the Apple Place. They'll show you how to do it. If you don't want to mess with that, go to YouTube. I remember when I was first editing more videos and trying to make things look really nice, I wanted to put a picture in picture, right? So put a picture like on the screen. 
and I literally Googled it, found it. It was like the first video that came up on YouTube. Two minutes later, I could put picture in picture. So I would say if you're wanting to do it yourself and you're wanting to get started, iMovie is probably the best place to start. And hell, I don't do it myself anymore, but there's probably really good apps that you can just use on your phone now. And I'm pretty sure iMovie has an iPhone app. So I'd say start there. Uh, if you want to get more serious about it, and I think this is something that more people should look into, is consider trading with somebody that is really good with video and video production. So at iFast, we got a couple people. We've got Mikey, who has done a lot of my basketball videos, kind of those hype videos to show off the athletes and the great work that they're doing at the gym. But then behind the scenes for almost all my Instagram and YouTube stuff, I've got Paul Rutan. And Paul's just the man because whether it's him coming in and shooting stuff, which look always looks better, right? He's got all the high-end equipment. He's got like the gimbal. And so if you've ever seen somebody like pan around and like you're looking at their face and then it's panning around and it's super smooth, that's a gimbal. He's got all that. He's got all the edits and hacks. So if you're somebody that really wants to get into the content creation game, consider partnering or bartering with somebody that's on the video production side. So, you know, I always tell gym owners, hey, look, if you want to put your best foot forward and use social media as a marketing platform, consider trading with somebody that does video production. You train them, they shoot and produce content for you. It's a win-win for everybody. So that's what I would say. If you're looking to get in the game, get a MacBook Pro, get iMovie, you're going to be off to the races within the hour. But if you really want to step your game up and you want to find somebody to really elevate your content and elevate your brand, then consider partnering or bartering with somebody on that side of the equation. Okay. Number three, this question is all about the complete coach cert. And the question said, hey, look, I've gotten the cert. I've gone through the, the course and I passed the test. Now, where should I go to try and apply this? And again, I think this is a really unique question because... A lot of times when people seek this cert out, they're already kind of entrenched somewhere, right? They're already working somewhere. But I think this is a great question because it's thinking about the next step. And the, the feedback that I gave here is simple. The cert is different and the content and, and the, the strategies that you learn are different from the way a lot of places apply fitness, right? A lot of places apply fitness via just like, a big certification, like we're an NASM group, we're an ACE group, whatever, versus if you're going to try and do things the way I do it or the way we do it at IFAST, you need somewhere where you're going to have a certain level of autonomy. So I think that's where you're going to have to do your research when you're looking for either your first job or your next job and figure out, okay, where can I go where they're going to let me dabble? where they're going to let me experiment. I hate to say it like this, but where they're going to let me make mistakes, right? Because look, young coach, old coach, doesn't matter. We all make mistakes. I made a lot more 15, 20 years ago than I do now, but you need to be in an environment that I would describe as safe to fail. And all that means is, hey, look, it's safe for you to fail. They're not going to like fire you if you make a mistake or if you write a bad program. Now, keep in mind, we're talking about humans <laughs> when we talk about safe to fail. So you'd never want to get somebody injured, but you're trying to, 
you're trying to figure out who you are as a coach, as a trainer, as a program designer, and not every place is going to let you do that. So if you feel like you can be successful in an independent contracting type environment, I feel like that's a really good place to start. There's generally very little downside to that. If they're feeding you clients, even better. But I would say a lot of the people that I've worked with and mentored over the years that have had the most success are working out of a gym where they are an independent contractor. So they pay the gym owner a small percentage of every session that they do. So maybe they collect $100, they pay, I don't know, $25 or $30 to the gym owner to essentially rent the space. So the great thing about that environment is that you're kind of free to do things the way that you want. You're not necessarily slave to somebody else's system and you get to learn kind of how you want to be as a coach on the fly. So I think if you can find an environment where you're either going to have a high degree of autonomy or you're essentially an independent contractor, those are the best situations. And I think not every place can be IFAST, but I think that's one thing that Bill and I have always prided ourselves on is like, do you have to follow the R7 system? Yes. Right. But then when you take a step back and you realize R7 is really just like the broadest strokes and guidelines when it comes to a system, like there's so much freedom and so much creativity, like you can kind of write a program however you want, as long as you fall into these basic overarching themes or this overarching structure for a program. And I think that's one of the coolest things over the years is thinking back and thinking about whether it's Lance, Brandon Brown, whether it's Ty, whether it's Jay, Eric, now Jesse, Dave, looking at how these guys have evolved as trainers and coaches while still following that foundational R7 system. So kind of a long-winded answer there, but if you can find a place where you're going to have some autonomy and you're going to have a safe-to-fail environment, I think that's absolutely critical. Okay, number four, how do you go about onboarding clients at iFast? And this is kind of a loaded question. There's a lot of different ways I could take it, but I kind of interpreted this as how does somebody get started at iFast? So kind of the system that we're using now, this has evolved over the years, but there's been times where as the business owner, I've had times where I want to have more and other times where I want to have less influence on kind of the client's path. And I would say right now, I'm kind of in this space where at least early on, I want to put my fingerprint on how they get started at the gym. So here's how that looks. Let's say you have read all about iFast, you think this is the place for me, I wanna check this place out, I'm going to call, or I'm gonna fill out the web form to have somebody reach out to me. So essentially what happens is I send the person a text, this is a huge thing right here, and I don't wanna get off on a huge tangent, but if you're a business owner, please do not try and email people. Email, like, yes, it's still a thing and people still check it, but text somebody, be direct, send them a text because it's like a 99% guaranteed response rate. Okay, so anyway, I send the, the prospect a text and I just say, hey, this is Mike from iFast. I'd love to get on the phone, five to 10 minutes, short little call, and just learn more about you or your child and see how we might be able to help them here at the gym. And again, like the success rate of this is off the charts. Like 95% of the time I get a response, we set up that first call. 
Then the first call for me is all about trying to figure out, okay, who is this person? What are their goals? What have they done before? Uh, I ask a couple of my big questions, and these are things that I talked about with Pat Rigsby, but I always ask the magic wand question. Uh, And if you're unfamiliar with that, it's like, hey, if I could wave a magic wand and in six to 12 months, you have the ideal outcome, what would that be? Right? And so we talk about that. And then I always talk about on the back end of that, okay, beyond the magic wand, what do you have to change to make that happen? So we have this really great dialogue. And then I think the final piece is after I've heard about them, then I give them the spiel as to our trial. And our trial is pretty simple. You come in, you get the you know, one hour assessment, you get the customized program design, you get up to six training sessions over two weeks. It's like 199 bucks, like it's a ridiculous deal. And the way I always try and sell that is it's not just a price point issue. Like we want everybody to come in and try it and get started. But I think even more importantly, it's like this is a legitimate feeling out process because it, let's say you're sending your kid to, to iFast. I don't want your kid to start coming here because you sent them and they hate it, right? Or I don't want them to come here and they just don't love training or they don't love the gym. They don't love the environment. Like I want to make sure this is a win-win. So I always try and sell it in that respect of, hey, look, I want this to be a true trial experience. So I want you to walk out over the after the two weeks. And if you don't love it, then this is not the place for you and somewhere else is. But if you do know you love it and we think you're a good fit, then like this is just the start of a great relationship. So the onboarding process is entry, like inquiry, right? Email, phone call, whatever. I text them. After I have that first call, we set up their assessment. And again, that's where I kind of step away, right? If they're a gin pop morning client, they're going to see Dave. Uh, If they're an afternoon client or a young athlete, they're typically going to see Jesse. And there's a reason for that, right? I don't want to be like, I don't want to be the person that slows down the process, right? I don't want to be a rate limiter in my own business. So I take that entry call. I direct them to Dave or Jesse. And then they take it from there. And I think there's something else important to note here. Whenever possible, after they've talked to me, I want it to be as streamlined as possible. And I don't think it works well. Like, let's say, and this would be like a worst case scenario, I evaluate them. And then Jesse writes the program, but then Dave coaches them. Like, that's just not a very congruent or streamlined approach. So that's why after I've had that entry call, I figure out, okay, are they a morning or an evening client? And then I push them to Dave or Jesse, and then they streamline them and take them from there. So I hope that answers the question as to onboarding. If there's ever any more questions, uh, I'm very happy to discuss that and just kind of give you guys some insight because, look, we've had some wins and we've had some losses over the years, but I feel like our system right now works really, really well. Okay, number five, I had a question about my belt buckle up cue, and if I would use that with a sway back posture or somebody that presents with a sway back position. And I'm actually shooting a video about this now. And there's a video about, you know, what to do or, you know, kind of demonstrating what this looks like. Then I'm going to shoot a second video when I have somebody to help me out because I need somebody to kind of demo this cue on, but the scissor cue. And I think that's probably a better cue, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's come back. The belt buckle up cue is one of my favorites. 
especially for somebody like me, because I've got a pretty big anterior orientation of my pelvis. And if I don't go belt buckle up, I don't get my abdominals engaged. I don't get my pelvis underneath me. And ultimately my squat, my hinge, whatever, doesn't look quite the way that I would like. Everything ends up looking very hingy. And look, there's a time and a place for a deadlift to look hingy, right? It is a hinge. But at the same time, if you've got this massive amount of anterior orientation, lumbar extension, it can put a lot of stress and strain on your lower back, on your hips, on your knees. So bell buckle up works great for somebody like me, again, with that anterior pelvic tilt or anterior orientation, because it gets a better starting point to build from. Now, imagine somebody with a sway back. And again, if you're having a hard time visualizing this, I got a video coming out about it. But a swayback is somebody that if you're looking at them from the side, imagine instead of their ankle, knee, hip, shoulder, and ear being in a straight line and perpendicular to the ground, imagine they almost look like a C, right? Or they almost look bowed. So, you know, the ankle and the ear are in line, but then the pelvis is like tucked and pushed forward relative to the ankles and the shoulders. That's a swayback. Okay, now, if I give somebody that's in a sway back posture, a belt buckle up cue, it's absolutely gonna drive them even harder into the position that we don't need, all right? So this is really important. When I'm giving cues or I'm giving demos on Instagram or YouTube or even in a course, you gotta understand the context. And, and you almost have to take it a level deeper. I always try and give context, but if I don't, or you know, if you're kind of lost or like trying to figure out how I might use this, always imagine like what would happen if I did this or who would this work well for? So a sway back who's already kind of got an exaggerated belt buckle up position, I try and give them that cue and it only exacerbates it and it makes it worse. So for a lot of these people, what I actually do is what I call the scissor cue. And again, I'll shoot a video on this so you can have a better visual representation. But imagine their pelvis is pushed forward out in front of them. So what I'll do is I'll put one hand on the front of their pelvis and I'll put the other hand on the back of their shoulders. And essentially what I'll do is I will push them towards the midline. Okay, so the shoulders get pushed forward, the pelvis gets pushed back, so now we start to stack them vertically in a more ideal position. And if you have a true sway back, a lot of times they don't have great abdominal engagement and abdominal tone. You put them in that position and then you have them do a push-up or you have them do a squat or something of that nature and they're like, oh my gosh, I finally feel my abs. Okay, so a couple take-home messages here. If you got somebody in a sway back, don't give them belt buckle up. Always know the context of the cue and when to best apply a cue. And if you do have a sway back, try this scissor type cue because I guarantee it's going to make a big difference. And if you're lost, don't worry. There's a video coming out that's going to help you on that. Okay. Number six. This question is all about people that over-engage their neck when they're reaching and rowing. And again, this is a super common issue uh, if you've ever dealt with people that have neck pain, feels like anytime you try and teach them to do a reach, like do a push-up or do some sort of inverted row, they want to use 
their shoulders, right? It's like all of a sudden their shoulders and their traps are up by their ears. And it reminds me of Gray Cook back in the day. I forget. This is probably 12, 15 years ago now at a, a Perform Better Summit. And Gray Cook described, how did he say it? When shoulders go to ears, it's like poison or something like that, right? Or, or ears or shoulder poison, something along those lines. But quite simply, if you're shrugging every time you try and do a reach or a row, you're probably going to have either a shoulder or a neck issue and maybe both. So if somebody's struggling in this posture or in this position, the first thing that I will have them do is to relax. Okay. Now I know this sounds simple, but a lot of times these types of people are what I would describe as tryhards. So you tell them to reach, they're going to reach as far as they can and they're going to shrug their shoulders and they're going to do everything they can to make those arms long right? Same thing. When they're rowing, they're going to use every muscle in their upper back to try and row. So the first thing that I'm going to cue them to do is, hey, look, relax. Shake the arms out. Shake the traps out. Just let everything relax. Let the arms hang long, right? And immediately you can see the shoulders and the traps just come down, all right? So telling them to chill out, relax, shake it out. That's number one. The second thing that I'm going to do is have them actively do what I don't want them to do. Now you're probably thinking, why would I do that? So it's very simple. What I'm gonna have them do, let's say somebody is rowing, right? And let's just say they're doing like a cable row with like a V handle. So if you're just sitting at home, try this out, right? Put your arms out in front of you, right? And what I want you to do now, shrug up as high as you can, right? Doesn't feel good. If you tried to, to row from there, you're not gonna have a lot of range of motion and it would probably hurt. So imagine arms are long, shrug up. Now I want you to do the opposite. And I want you to just let those shoulders come down. I want you to unshrug and immediately they can feel that difference in posture. Now, it works great at the start, but you're going to have to watch them throughout that set. Okay. And one of the things that you'll find is when somebody is just learning a new movement pattern, you're typically going to have to cue them more often, right? Let's say it's a set of eight. You may have to cue them every rep or at the very least every other rep. And then what you'll find is over time, they'll start to fix stuff themselves. So maybe you could give them the cue on the first set and they're good for the first four reps, right? And then you cue them halfway through the set. All right, shoulders are coming up, shrug up, come down. And they're like, oh, okay. And they'll finish the set strong. When you really know they're learning it though, and this is what's awesome, like one of my guys I was working with today, you know, we've been working on his front foot elevated split squat. And he's one of those guys, he's got a tendency to get pushed forward, Today, I didn't even cue him. He got started to get forward. He mid-set, found his heel, shifted his center of gravity back, boom, hit it like perfect. So that's what's fun. Like once you start to, to have these relationships with these people and you've coached them for a while and they start to understand how things should feel, they start to fix their own movements. And that's when you really feel like you're winning as a coach. So if somebody's using their neck too much, get them to shake it out, get them to relax, Cue them to actively shrug up and then come back down, and I virtually guarantee you're going to get a better response. Okay? Two more. Number one, this person says, my client says they have been training hard for five months and they are getting no results. What should I think? And my first question is, you know, if you're doing something for five months and getting zero results, something is wrong. 
<laughs> you know, and, and I almost want to leave it at that. But I, here's what I told this gentleman is, look, if somebody is training for five months, whether it's somewhere else or with me and they're not getting results, look, it's time for a full audit. Like we're going to dive into everything. We're going to talk training. We're going to talk nutrition. We're going to talk about sleep and rest and recovery. We're going to talk about stress. We're going to really dive into your life and figure out what's going on here. Because, you know, sometimes there's there's extenuating circumstances for lack uh, of a better description. And sometimes people are just flat out not being honest. And it pains me to say that, but I want to tell you a story. So when we first opened iFast, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays were popping. We had a good client base. We were really cranking. Uh, you know, I was busy in the mornings from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., you know, have a little break. Uh, but we were pretty steady all morning long, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Now, Tuesday, Thursday, we're a little bit slower. Uh, and so I was struggling to get some people in there. There was a woman who at the time was training, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday with us. She referred a friend and she said, oh, she wants to come Tuesday, Thursday, 9 a.m. I'm like, perfect. I'm like, she'll have basically a private. And she's like, well, you know, I kind of think that's what she needs. She's kind of shy. She's almost a little bit ashamed of her body weight and her, she's got some body image issues. So I'm like, perfect. 9 a.m. Tuesday, Thursday. And literally from the start, I thought, eh, I don't know. I kind of get a weird feeling about this woman. She was super nice. Um, I could tell there were self-image issues, uh, just a lot of self-consciousness. I don't think we went one session without her crying over uh, a three-month period, but it was a struggle because every day I trained this woman, she's like, my weight's not moving. My weight's not moving. She was working with me twice a week. Uh, she was active on her off days. She had a nutrition program that a dietitian had created for that looked very sound. Um, and look, for literally 11 weeks, I'm banging my head against a wall because I'm thinking, like, what am I missing? Am I not giving her an appropriate training effect? Does she have some sort of metabolic or hormonal issue that I can't figure out? And finally, we're getting to the end of her three months. And I clearly remember this discussion. She's just like, look, Mike, I need to be honest with you. Uh, I haven't been totally honest with you. She says, uh, you know, look, I'm a very emotional eater. And, you know, I might be locked in on my diet 80% of the time, but you know, if I get sad or depressed on a Thursday night, like I'm drinking a bottle of wine and having a pint of Ben and Jerry's, it's like, well, there you go. You know what I mean? So the optimist in me hates to say that because if you followed my stuff, if you've listened to my podcast, watched my videos, hung out with me in real life, like I'm an optimistic person. And even if things aren't going great, I like to think, hey man, better days are ahead. Or, you know, look, you got to go through some struggles and some challenges in life to achieve what you want to achieve. But, you know, sometimes people just aren't ready to change. And so I feel like it was this way for this woman. She wasn't ready to change. And look, I don't know what else to say. It's like if somebody hasn't seen success in five months, you either need to do a full audit and figure out what's really going on and have like some really honest conversations with them. Or you may just need to tell them, hey, look, maybe I'm not the best person for you. That's a hard conversation to have. Bill and I were talking about this the other day. We've only fired, I think, one client for MyFast over the years. Luckily, most of the people that don't fit fire themselves. But 
look, man, five months is a long time to go without having any results. So do a full audit, make sure that they're doing the things necessary, both inside and outside of the gym to have success. And if it's just not working out, then it may be time to direct them towards somebody else where they can maybe see more success. Okay. And then last one, this is kind of a general question and I'm not going to mention names, but the question is I follow blank, right? So you can insert coach's name here, insert Instagram influencers name here on whatever social media platform. Are they any good? (laughs) And look, this is such a loaded question, like such a loaded question because I try not to spend too much time on social. You know, I enjoy it. I enjoy interacting with the people that I coach, my athletes, uh, my friends, my family. I love that aspect of it. But I also know if I hang out too long, I get sucked into the abyss that is social media. And again, the optimist in me hates saying this, but unfortunately, there's still a lot of shills in the exercise space, right? There are a lot of people that are talking about being mentors, coaching mentors, business mentors, business coaches, and look, they really have no business doing any of those things, right? It's funny, like how many people that claim to be business coaches in the fitness space have never run a successful fitness facility, like ever. Like that's what's crazy to me. So my advice to you is if you are going to pay somebody money to mentor or coach you, you better do your due diligence first, okay? So case in point, If somebody is going to mentor you to become a better coach, I would be very, very interested in who they have coached, right? And you don't have to be like coaching elite or pro athletes. Like, let's make that very clear. Like the fact that I do that does not put me on a pedestal. I think there's a lot of world-class coaches that are training gen pop people that are creating real change helping people transform their lives, helping them lose 50 to 100 pounds, improving their self-confidence, improving all of their health markers. Like those people are incredibly successful. So if you want to be in the gen pop space and you want to be like a body comp, body transformation type coach, perfect. Find somebody that's done that. Not the person that necessarily has 100 or 200,000 followers on Instagram or the person that has this amazing life-changing story themselves right? Like you see that too. Somebody that loses like a hundred pounds and now, oh, well I did it. Now I'm going to tell you how I did it. No, it's not how this works. That's N equals one. Show me the person that has had lasting change across tens, hundreds, thousands of people. That's who you want to learn from. If you want to learn from an elite coach, somebody that works with high level athletes, perfect. Go find the person that's doing that. Find the person that was in the NBA, the NFL, MLB for 10, 15, 20 years. Learn from that person. Learn from the person that's working in a private facility or owns a private facility. Because look, athletes get to choose. If you're in the private sector, athletes choose you. They have to choose with their own money to come and train with you. So the person that's having success in the private sector and continuously getting people to come in and pay money to work with them Either they're one hell of a marketer or one hell of a people person, or they've got some coaching chops. 
Okay, so that's that side of it. If you're going to hire somebody to help you build your fitness business, this one gets me even more fired up. (laughs) You better find somebody that ran a successful fitness business themselves and then decided I want to do something else. Right. So there's a reason my list for true business coaches is incredibly short. Like the main four I think of right off the top of my head, Pat Rigsby, right, ran successful fitness businesses, ran a fitness franchise right? Like does more coaching calls about running a fitness business than any human I can ever imagine. He's one. Mark Fisher, again, multiple successful fitness businesses. Pete Dupuy, Luca Hasavar. Like that's kind of my list. Now that's not to say there aren't more great people out there, but here's the sum of the story, right? Like if I can like really put this together, you got to have skin in the game. Find somebody that has skin in the game. If they're going to talk about coaching, they either better be a world-class coach or they better still be coaching or some combination of the two. If they're a coaching consultant, that kind of person, again, they better be running a really good facility or they've got to be helping other people run really great facilities because too many people now are talking about doing things that they never did themselves and it pisses me off. It pisses me off because there's a lot of young people out there that are excited about our industry and they're getting shilled by these people and their high ticket coaching programs and consulting fees. It's crazy. All right. So you can tell trying not to rant here, but it probably turned into that a little bit. If you want to follow somebody, that's great. Learn about them. Figure out who they are. See if there's an emotional connection with them, because I think that's important with a mentor or coach, too is having this emotional connection or having relatability with regards to their story or who they are. Absolutely important. But make sure before you start spending a ton of money with somebody that they are who you think they are. Who is it? Was it Denny Green? Was he the Arizona Cardinals coach? They are who we thought they were. Make sure the person you're spending money with is that person. Okay? So that was it. That's the big Q&A episode. I hope you got something out of this. I mean, I feel like we touched all the bases, right? We talked about certifications. We talked about coaching. We talked about content creation. Uh, I mean, we talked about running businesses. We talked about finding mentors. Touched a lot of bases here. So I got a small favor to ask. If you enjoyed this episode, again, a little bit different than what I normally do, but if you enjoyed this episode, please take two seconds out of your day and share it with a friend colleague, a fellow trainer, coach, rehab professional, somebody that you think would benefit from one or all of these messages. Because look, man, I mean, I'm in this for the long haul. I mean, I was talking with my guy, Andy McCloy today. I'm 21 years in and I still got this much energy. I feel like I'm more energetic, more passionate now than I've ever been about helping push this industry forward. So if you know somebody that would benefit from this call, from this podcast, please pass it on to them because I would appreciate it more than you know. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care.